Take 406. This is Hyperborean Radio, your favorite ethnic faith podcast in all of the world. Yes. And today we're going to talk about something we've had a lot of people ask us about over the years, and that would be veneration. Who do you venerate? How do you venerate? When do you venerate? What do you venerate? Do you have to wear funny hats? All the important questions. What do I do with my my feather duster when I venerate? Do I need an altar to venerate? Venerate, veneration, venerating. Do you need beeswax candles, or or is it okay to just buy them from Yankee Doodle Dandy? So... Let's get the the hard part that people are not going to want to listen to out of the way first so that we can have our first 10, 20, 30% drop. <laughs> Everybody knows currently that's that's returning to ethnic faith. Everybody's heard, it's explained, and then everybody has a general consensus that most of us are damaged. We're, we're injured, we're hurt, we're poisoned. Our, we have been taught untruths, et cetera, et cetera. We're scarred. Yes. In general, most of us are not ready to venerate our gods actively. No, because we end up turning them into Yahweh. You can see this especially right now with uh, Odin venerators and some of the individuals in like the Celtic and Slavic spheres usually latch onto a god and basically use them as a Yahweh replacement. Right, they, they pray to them, they set up the altars, they... They do all this stuff well, and you, as if they're still in this other religion or like the other religions do. And naturally, this is not our natural approach well, as shown by history. Well, when the both the Romans and the Christians, when they encountered the northern tribes, were half convinced we were atheists mm-hmm. when they first met us. And it's because... And we'd have to spend a year or two amongst our people to realize, no, everything is spiritual. Oh, we were more spiritual than they were. Yeah. It's just, we don't, we don't go through the motions. We're actually spiritual. Which is, which is why I say, oh, by the way, I'm Celtic God and the other voice is the Lord Keeper. Uh, For the new listeners, hi, welcome. Hello. If you hung in there past that initial drop point. Um, because all, all our analytics say that people tune in, we say something offensive, guaranteed at least 10% are gone. Oh, yes, it's the, the angry 14-year-old screaming at the computer. Oh, yeah, meme. it's usually, what, within the first 30 seconds to a minute and a half. Just, just rage quit. Yeah, just, fuck these guys. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Um, but it's active veneration that we're talking about because... That's when you end up with Yahweh replacement because, uh, and this isn't my analogy, but this is using an analogy you and some of our friends have used when first coming into ethnic faith from whether it's from Christianity, active Christianity, or some other religion, or even just from society at large, from the universalist um, society. Everything that's been taught. There is a Yahweh size hole or a Yahweh shape hole. And it is very tempting to try and fi- uh, uh, fill that with a Yahweh shaped deity or a Yahweh shaped behavior pattern. Yes. And here's the thing is most people when they get into paganism, they don't tend to get past the first beginning stages because I actually went through this phase myself. Mm-hmm. I've admitted it before. When I first got into paganism, I treated Odin as somewhat of a Yahweh replacement. Mm-hmm. However, I was honest with myself, and I'm very, very 
this is why I got the name the Lore Keeper. I didn't give it to myself. I'm a bit of right. a... Right, you was dubbed and you fought against it, but we stuck I'm a real-world lore whore, basically. Yes. Uh, but the um, when you start looking into Odin, that doesn't add up. Like, people will talk about Odin being very selfless. He's not. He's the exact opposite. He's mm-hmm. an extremely selfish deity. And a lot of, as you well, and anyways, there's a lot more than just Odin. So oh yeah, it's not just Odin. Just it's... gloss over that and let's keep it keep it right on moving. Because honestly, most of the people that that are coming to um, ethnic faith or trying to return to the Hyperborean way, most aren't Scandinavian. And here's the thing: is they use the Eddas and they call it Scandinavian or Norse. They're Icelandic. It, yeah, mm-hmm. they're actually Icelandic, and they're not even really Icelandic. No, because the Icelanders don't agree with them. And this Correct. is the other thing that people don't understand: is people keep acting like mythology was somehow like handed from like the uh, the talons of Hugin right. and Munin with Valkyries trumpeting and golden dust raining from the sky. And, and don't, don't worry, by the way, we will get into how to venerate. Yes. How, how beginners and how... But we're, we're also trying how to... Even some people that's been in ethnic faith for 10, 20 years and have end up getting stuck on, uh, let's say, false starts, um, ways to actually venerate. We we will end up getting there, but it's it's going to be a process. We're not withholding it, but it's it's going to be a process. We have to talk about this other stuff first. Well, we have to point out the pitfalls. And here's the thing is, there it's not your fault for getting caught in the pitfalls. There's a lot of them. If you did. Yes. Uh, if you've been here for a minute and got caught. Oh, I got caught in a few of them. I've mm-hmm. been fairly honest about that. The reality, though, is if you can get yourself out. Yes. That's the hard part. Because there are a lot of people, they fall into that first pitfall and they're just stuck there. Right. And in general, one of the key issues is everyone's looking for a catch-all. Mm-hmm. This is part of one of the problems is they'll figure out a god, usually one that the stories we have describes as fairly powerful or prominent, mm-hmm. and then use that as a catch-all. And they'll start rationalizing, well, this god is also a god of this, and this god is also a god of that, and this god is... So eventually you end up venerating the god of thieves as a farmer deity. Right. And it starts getting and, out of And hand. then people, then they end up getting a little bit schizophrenic and acting off. Well, and part of the reason that we so encourage ethnic faith, it's not because it's our brand or anything. Right. It's literally because we have noticed the closer to your own bloodline, the gods you focus on, the less schizo you get. Right. Well, the less that you have to rationalize things. Yeah, because in the end, that's what a lot of it is. It's rationalization. And if the closer that you are to home, the less that you have to rationalize. And it's not that the Icelandic is completely foreign. And no, no, no. It's like what people are doing is they're going to their eighth cousin's removed house three cities away as opposed to mom and dad's house. Pretty much. That's how I usually describe it is it's like you're going. I've even talked about it in this way is it's not that the Slavic gods are completely separate from the non-Slavic gods in terms Mm -hmm. of our race. But here's the catch 22 is if you went to a random country in Slavia and then went to a random town and a random neighborhood and a random house and then just went in and started acting like you were close family ties, you'd probably get shot. Just just walk in the door and be like, hey, grandma, hey, babushka. 
Make me some. Okay, now I'm doing an Italian accent, but <laughs> pretty much, if you go in, and then most walk pe- in, be like, make me some plunkies, pierogies, all the all that all that Slavic food. But it's funny to me because people, we've actually pointed this out. People have a habit of going one of two ways with the gods, and it's trained from Christianity. Either mm-hmm. you uh, you treat the gods as merchants and servants, which we've confronted people about this yep. before. Or it's the exact opposite, and they become extremely subservient to basically Yahweh in a color change. Yeah, it's it's the oddest thing, and I think really what it is, they're trying to fill a Yahweh-shaped hole, or an Elohim-shaped hole. It's it's all the same in terms of Christians, right. because they, they, they just treat Elohim, Jehovah, and Yahweh as the same figure, even if they're not. So it really doesn't matter what yeah, name Yeah, it doesn't matter which one we call it. But... They're trying to fill that shaped hole with a singular deity piece, and it just doesn't work that way. Well, and the reality and, is, and, is the hole shouldn't be there. You have to either fill right, it were, in or op- it, basically you either have to let the wound heal or you have to open it up again so you don't have such an obvious shaped hole. Right, and really that's the way I would describe it is it's a, a Yahweh-shaped wound that you need to allow heal, allow to heal. Or cut away the rot. Right, or two. cut away the rot, if there is rot. But that needs to heal before you can actually move on and get stronger, before you can start the physical rehab. Yes, the physical, the mental, the spiritual rehab, all the things. And another thing that people don't understand is, are the gods in a different realm separate from us? Yes. Are they also not? Also yes. Right. Well, and some people will claim that the, the gods have been sleeping for centuries. No, they haven't been sleeping. Nobody's been listening. Well, There's uh, a big difference. Well, we've pointed out examples like Thor literally fought with saints. I mean, the Christians, of course, mm-hmm. rewrote it that he lost, but whatever. The uh, marauders. Anybody are that's heard of the that Morgans. voice, get up, or uh, Tear has been there with you, or the people that got desperate enough and they knew the dope god, as uh, that right. one guy we met said. Uh, there's gods like Hark would throw things at the. Uh, Throw throw stones at churches to Puck try and keep in, them out of uh, What year was that? Eighteen. Oh yeah, Puck, uh, I forget. But the Spanish Armada that was crossing the British Straits. Uh, yeah, Puck is credited with stopping that. Yeah, with sinking that armada. Yeah, I mean the whole armada didn't sink, but it was right. enough. It, to it turn was the enough tide. that yeah, the the tide was definitely turned. Well, our gods have remained in the folklore. It's actually fairly recently that they've fallen out. And it's kind of funny because basically the, the, our old gods ve- were venerated and acknowledged more or less right up until the neo-pagan movement. Mm-hmm. There were sections that still venerated Hala. There were sections that still venerated Freya, Gryla, Thor, Makosh. Hearn. You know, it wasn't everybody, but the, the veneration was still well, there. Well, especially in the countryside. And mm-hmm. here's the thing. New gods popped up. Like, for instance, in America, we have Paul Bunyan. And that sounds ridiculous until you know his stories. And he's got everything from, like, dwarves giving him the, the axe to spawning uh, from a tree. The it, earth itself. Oh, yeah. It's, it's pretty interesting. He fits the role of a god really freaking well. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's why his uh, epithet is the god of the Northwoods. Yes. And here's the thing is it's going to be difficult, but you can do it. Everybody can can do this. All you need to do is slow down. That's that's the whole thing. Just slow down and the wound will heal. And then you can move forward. 
Well, I guess you could think of it almost like uh, you're suffering from a sports injury. Yeah. You have to work it out a little bit or it starts to atrophy, but at the same time, you can't go full throttle till you heal. Right. Otherwise, so, you're just going to make things worse. And in many cases, if you if you look a lot at a lot of these people, that's exactly what's happened. They've gotten worse. Well, and the other issue is that people are doing paganism right, but people are so... I don't want to say tainted, but they, they don't know what they're talking about. Right. Uh, so there's this. Well, part of the problem is is people teaching that doesn't know what they're talking about. Because like um, with with that guy that we met when we was out on our our survival expedition, he didn't really know anything. He said they had been pagan for what twenty years or something like that. He'd been pagan for a while. He, he didn't really know anything, and that that's fine because he wasn't trying to teach. The 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 people that we end up going after and we don't even go after them directly but it's, it's these various ideas that's put out there with the utmost confidence it's the people trying to teach that haven't actually gone through the steps and stopped and looked at more than just one aspect of something it's like if you get somebody that gets right up against a tree and presses their nose right against it and they're like there's no forest here but man there's a lot of bark well, it's what a good example. They can't even see the tree because they're so close to it, let alone the forest that they're standing in. Yes. And here's another thing is the guy we actually talked to because we've actually mentioned him twice now. But it's because he's actually a good example because he's not trying to teach. He's trying to be genuine. He's a bit. He he's trying to lead by example because he's, he, he was in a rough way and he he, he cleaned himself up. He, he's got a family he doesn't hide his his past from his kids he tries to use himself as a teaching tool oh yeah don't he, do like this if you're gonna make a mistake do something completely different pretty much and but he thought of the runes as uh like the casting runes thing mm -hmm. that a lot of people do and we pointed out there's nothing wrong with doing it it's a fun thing it's yeah, we, it's fun we've come up with weirder things before but it's not ancient. The esoteric meanings for the runes is like less than 200 years old. And the... It can actually be traced down to certain authors. And they admit it. Yeah. That's the thing. If these people was to read these books that and these authors that they're quoting, they would know that almost all of these people, they're monotheistic. Oh, like, yeah. Like Guido, for instance. Oh, yeah. He, he was monotheistic. He openly admitted it. Oh, Guido von Liszt uh, openly admitted not it's only like that he Rain was a monotheistic. Mantra, yeah. He, not only did he admit he was monotheistic, that he was basing a lot of this off of Hinduism, but that he got a lot of it out of his dreams. Yes. And the thing is, is I'm not against UPG eventually becoming part of paganism, but taking the whole chunk of a guy whose whole thing was just being a UPG proclaimer mm -hmm. that's a revealed religion that's not paganism that's not oh we had this one interesting guy that said some stuff it's just a replacement for christianity which is also a revealed religion yes and that's part of the difference is most universalistic religions are revealed religions ethnic faiths are natural uh, ob religion. observance uh it's based off from observance because that's why natural religion. yeah that's what a natural religion is is it's based off from observance the other religions are based off their revealed religions, which are based off from dreams. Yes. And now, now, who wants to live their life based off from their uh, their dementia-riddled grandmother's dreams? Well, and a lot of people start, once they go pagan, they start looking into their dreams a lot. And here's the thing, that's not invalid, but you got to kind of be careful because it can't just be a dream. It can't. Because I have weird dreams. I've told you about some of my dreams. Oh, yeah. And they're very, very vivid. 
like as vivid, if sometimes more so than real life. But do I live by my dreams? Oh, no. In fact, you actively always preface them with, I might just be crazy. I might just be crazy. I'm going to take this dream. I'm going to put it on a shelf. And I'm going to play with it every now and then and see what happens. But well, I'm not going to orient everything around this dream because it might just be a dream. Well, it's like I had a dream that involved the hunter. I had a dream. Yes, but here's the reality is I have no freaking idea. what I barely have any idea what was going on in the dream. I barely have any clue as to why that dream happened. And then on top of all that, I am not a hunter. I'm not a wilderness person. There are many, many questions, no answers, and mm-hmm. it could just still be that I had a fever dream. Could just be a dream. It could have, it could have been a vision. But to base... Okay. It's different even if you base your own um, approach off from that dream versus you you teaching other people to base their approach off from your dream. That's that's where things get really dicey with us. Like, I, I don't care if, I don't know, pick a random God, came to you in your dream and told you to eat cheese every other Thursday... And then you eat cheese every other Thursday and no other day. I don't care if you do that, but don't go out telling everyone else. The gods doth say in the first commandment of Bob that thou shalt eat cheese every other Thursday. Only every other Thursday or thou shalt go to hell. And this is why most people are not ready for active veneration. Meaning, you can talk to the gods, you can... But there's a difference between just talking to them like when you're making dinner or something or you're you're whatever, Uh, because that is prayer when you're when you're thinking to yourself, but not to yourself. That is prayer. And and it's fine to do that. But there's a difference between that and oh, please, um, Thor. Send me some rain of gold because it's dry and I'm cold and I could really use some money. And uh, by the way, I will kick three puppies in your name if. Yeah, we don't we don't do vespers and we don't barter with our gods. Or we don't barter, uh, what's we don't... that other thing? The rosary? The repeat? No, we we. Oh, I've seen people that make those. And here's the thing. I'm torn because on the one hand, I don't actually have a problem with rosaries in concept. They are European. They're explicitly Christian, but it's like um, we, we actually met somebody. We, we They were people that lived near us, and they overheard our many, many podcasts mm-hmm. and conversations. And ended tried up to, swaying them because they tried proving us wrong. Oh, yeah. They actively tried to prove us wrong, and we ended up convincing them of pretty much everything. Mm-hmm. She still wore a uh, crucifix Yep, because it was from her grandmother, and... It is a symbol that was stolen from a pagan group in Europe in the first place, Mm -hmm. but it is a Christian symbol now, much like the Hakenkreuz. Right. But it's ancestor veneration. You don't have to throw out, I don't know, a stained glass window of the Virgin Mary that's been transferred house to house in your family for 600 years just because it depicts the Virgin Mary. Right. But it becomes ancestor veneration, maintaining your heirlooms, not veneration of the virgin mary and right. nine nine times out of ten the virgin mary is just a thinly veiled goddess anyway right but then there's also the problem 
that I've brought up before that people have a habit of when they realize that that a lot of these figures have been are very thinly veiled gods. They either just start venerating the gods just like the saints or just like the Christian God, or they start translating. Okay, well, if the Virgin Mary is in this area, I don't know, Frigg. Therefore, every Virgin Mary in this general one third of Europe is Frigg. So that's a bit off topic, but it's it's another one of those things where when you start digging into stuff, you can end up into the fallacy of the easy answer. Right. Uh, and not every answer is infinitely complex either because that's you end up going into esotericism that way. And we are people of extremes, so you, even watch for it in yourself. We are creatures of extremes. Either we will go far too simplistic every time or we will go far too complex every time. It's, it's in that middle road where that that's what the ethnic faith teaches us is, is that balance. balance. Well, we're balance. We have so many balance symbols. We're people of extremes. We go from workaholic to completely lazy. Or we go even f- our anger. We go from zero to fucking kill like immediately. Oh, yeah. Like there's a reason Thor is like that. And we've joked before, like if a therapist got a hold of Thor, they diagnose him as bipolar, get him on like a half a pound of lithium a day. Yeah. So different ways that we can venerate, though. So how do we do that? First, try to be noble. That's the main thing. Love your family. Go outside. Do things. Uh, Interact with people. Try to be somebody. Try to behave in a way that people want to imitate you. Well, it's something we've actually brought up before is part of the issue with paganism in the modern day is it is an inherently community-based spirituality that's very hard to do on your own and really you can't do most of it on your own. Right. That is practiced mostly by people that are alone. Mm-hmm. And that's not the people whose are alone's fault. We're, we are a smaller number than most of the other spirituality categories. And then on top of that, you have how the gods used to be venerated they would either have small groups that typically venerated the god or traditions built into it so there's all these things that just aren't there as a support structure from Mm -hmm. the community to the traditions many things are just missing right now well and another thing that you don't do in veneration especially while you're still damaged don't pick a deity to venerate because Here's the thing is if you live nobly and you do the things that you do to a heroic level to the best that you can do, the gods will come to you. The The appropriate gods will come to you because not everybody is doing these things to this level. Well, it's something I've brought up before is there are the small gods, which is a terrible name, but I basically use it as like the gods that you're probably going to meet. You're going to meet, quote unquote, on the hill in the hearth, in the fields, in the grain storage. There's all these, and I only call them that because they're not usually named. They're usually in a category. So like Leshy, Tomte, Brownies, uh, Nymphs, things of that nature. Well, and I notice that when people do pick a god, it's one of two things. Either they go super popular or they go for the most powerful. Well, I'm here to tell you by the lore, if you want to go with the absolute most powerful, Probably Puck. Oh, yeah, and then that ties into... Just brute force power? Yeah, Puck. Well, I Because find he it... can actually warp reality without intentionally doing it. Oh, yeah, he does it, just his emotions, if he doesn't have control over himself. 
And then that ties into the fairy faith, which is a whole nother conversation. And, and trust me, Puck is not someone that you want to venerate. Well, there were cults. Well, most people don't want to. There were cults to Puck, but I think it was mostly, thank you. Yes. And then they'd and they'd have parties. It's like... And have fun. And it's not debauchery parties. It's, it's, uh, it's more innocent. No, Puck is more innocent. Well, I mean, here's the thing that kind of annoys me is the idea that people go to and they go to immediately the idea of debauchery and hedonism. Yes. Like always. we were actually just talking about this with Dionysus. People would be like, well, you get drunk and then you have massive orgies and that's Dionysus. Dionysus no, it's not. No, not at all. Dionysus is far more interesting than that. Yes. Uh, he's That's he can, the easy short answer that you get off from um, Witchy Witch World. Yes. Dionysus. Okay. All the gods are too complicated to sum up in a small amount, but mm -hmm. basically... I mean, we try, and yeah. man, do we struggle with it. Dionysus, however, is one of my favorite Greek gods, so I'll, I'll give him the time of day because he's so misconstrued nowadays. Mm -hmm. he, he's not fat. He's not fat. That is a later depiction. He's not old. He's not an old fat man. He's not old fat man. He's not a frat, a frat boy. Right. Correct. He is His older depictions depict him with horns, big bushy beard, wild traveling god of madness. Mm -hmm. He hangs out in the wild with Pan, with a bunch of spirits and Giant people. Giant muscly guys, sometimes with a lot of hair, sometimes not. Well, I mean, I think the lo not a lot of hair is mostly artist limitations. Because mm -hmm. we've gone over this before. The reason you don't tend to depict a lot of body hair on Roman statues is that's a lot of work to carve. Right. I mean, some of his... Uh older statues it's they make like this weird kind of pelt on them which is probably the easiest way in stone to do a lot of body hair yes to make it look like a pelt i wouldn't be surprised if that's where uh, getting draped in the leopard skin came from but his whole thing is well, not his whole thing but a good chunk of his whole thing aside from the downing of mead and wine which is supposed to just remove your inhibitions is mm -hmm. getting back to nature that's actually a lot of what dionysus is mm -hmm. and that doesn't mean debauchery it means primal very big difference. Right, that whole debauchery thing, that's the Christian influence describing paganism and or the modern view, which is still Christian-based. Well, and e Even atheists have a Christian view. Well, and here's the thing nobody wants to admit, but it's true, is towards the end when these pagan religions were civilized, and this is not just the Greek and Roman, this happened in the North too, Yeah, especially with the Norse, um... The gods were manipulated for political reasons. Mm -hmm. So like Dionysus's later youthful depictions as kind of the frat boy party animal, that was a direct result of the elites co-opting his uh, religious group. Right. Well, and there was some people that did some good research a long time ago, and they, act, they would actively complain that they had to take this broad, rich swath of cultural tales and cut it down to... 12 deities to be taken seriously that they had to actually imitate the Greek and Roman pantheons to be taken seriously in their own fields. Oh yeah. That happened in the Norse. Uh, they didn't seem to try to do that with the Celtic, but they did do it in the Finnish. Well, and it's because nobody was took the, uh, uh, okay. It's a combination of two things. One or a few things. Either nobody, nobody took it. Uh, most people didn't take it serious. The ones that did, was like, oh, well, it's not really that big of a deal. The other ones that tried to do that got so much pushback from the people because most of these universities were in England and France and 
in that part of the world, uh, even in Scotland. And the locals would give so much pushback and be like, you don't know what you're talking about. So they're, they're, they're trying to contain this thing in their own backyard, well, which want, is why it didn't work. Well, they try to make, uh, they try to simplify the stories down into a Bible. Mm-hmm. It's, well, the British Eddas is a wonderful example. Oh, yeah. Someone literally wrote insane fan fiction combining King Arthur, the Eddas, and the Bible. It was insane. And, and he even admits it right in the beginning. Oh yeah, Th- these people are fairly honest. Yeah, I'm. Every one of these these people that I've had quoted at me when I look them up, every one of them in their books, their books start almost the very first words. I am a monotheist. I believe in the one true God. They almost all start with that. Well, and um, to get more into uh, not just the pitfalls and all these other things, but well, also- the veneration part is. Living life and living well, living yes. nobly, not living rich, not living loose and carefree, living nobly being, uh, I talk about heroism all the time and there goes another 30%. Talk about heroism all the time. And that's what I mean as I don't mean running out and pretending to be Batman or the Punisher or, or running into a burning building. I mean, being the best person that you can be being that person that people look up to in your everyday life. That is the hero. It's one of the things that I always try to bring up is our hero cults are actually some of our most popular. That's why a lot of um, deity traditions actually ended up being transferred over to the hero cults, whether this was the pagan heroes, so like King Arthur, Robin Hood, and the like, or the Christian quote-unquote heroes known as saints to the common people. Well, and what's some... What is some passive veneration? When... You tell or listen to or watch a story about Robin Hood or King Arthur or you go to a Paul Bunyan Day celebration or uh, take your kid to see Santa Claus. Take your day to see Santa Claus. This is passive veneration and it is fucking amazing and is low stress. You don't have to worry about am I doing it right? Am I doing it wrong? Am I supposed to be doing this at all? You don't have to worry about it. Well, it's something it's perfect for healing. Well, it's something that you're just you're already doing anyways or want to do anyways. Well, that's one thing that we cover all the time is a lot of these pagan traditions have more meaning because we don't think of them as some sort of sacred act like painting, like uh, leaving cookies out for Santa Claus, putting up the Christmas tree, going trick or treating. Mm -hmm. All of these things that if you asked me, I could probably give you a reason for where most of these things come from, especially in America where I'm well versed on a lot of our holiday customs and where they come from. Mm -hmm. However, I I try to keep some of this close to the vest because I know that these things lose power. If your intention goes from innocent to purposeful, it's weird because there are some things that get more powerful with purpose and some things that are more powerful with innocence. And it's interesting. Most of the holiday customs seem to be more powerful with innocence. Doing it just because you want to and it makes you and your community and your family mm-hmm. feel good. As opposed to, I put well, up this tree of, as you, a model of true life. You can think of it life. as opening a door for somebody. If you somebody that just opens up the door and holds it for you. Versus the person that opens up the door and is like, look at what a good person I am. Ain't I just swell? Come on through. Would you mind hurrying up as I stand here and hold? Did you notice I am holding the door for you? 
that that's kind of what you're talking about is when you do it with an intention versus just doing it. And that's kind of the point is if you look around, you can actually see our people doing passive veneration all the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, and we, we actually enjoy it. Like something as silly from the outside as Groundhog Day. People who go there, they might not even meet Phil. They might just be there, eat some German food, sing around the bonfire, see the groundhog perform, and then leave because they got to go to work on the morning. But they're having fun. They're having fun with the community. And yes, the prophetic groundhog is pagan. I know. Shocker. Yeah. Go figure. Who would have thunk that? Yes. I mean, I know he's in the Bible in the book of the Pennsylvania Dutch. But anyway. Right. (laughs) it's a whole thing, but in, intention matters, and the the best intention is the one that you don't think about. That is actually the greatest sacrifice. It is the best veneration that you can do is the the stuff that you do without even thinking about. It. You do it because you enjoy doing it, because it's it's just the right thing to do, and it it's it's and or it's fun. Well, it's, it, that is the way to heal and venerate and you don't have to think of a specific deity dedicate anything to a specific deity especially while you're still healing well and here's another way to think of it just to kind of explain it because most we do have remnant pagan cults across our Mm -hmm. lands i'll name some of the most obvious ones we actually name dropped them already santa claus paul bunyan robin hood king arthur now here's a question i want to ask how weird would it be if someone set up a church to any of these figures? Come to the church of Robin Hood, the temple mm-hmm. of King Arthur, the church of Paul Bunyan, the temple of Santa Claus. Or would you be like, what the frick are they on? Like, part of me wants to try it, and the other part's like, I'm sure it's too dangerous. I'd probably right. come <laughs> off of a trip in the middle of Arizona. Right. Well, and the thing is, is we're not as broken as, as we think. There is a wound there, but we're not broken, well, which is exactly what you have to take time to figure out be- uh, before. Ju- I mean, yeah, before going into all the other aspects of it, you have to heal enough to realize, oh, I had a boo-boo, but I'm not actually broken. So we're not broken. You, you're already trying to do the things the right way. Don't do the extra steps because you aren't ready for it yet. And odds are. By the time you're actually healed, you'll be like, oh, I don't need to do the extra steps because I was already doing them without even thinking about it. Yes. And, and on the topic of those four examples we were doing, there are idols, statues mm-hmm. to Robin Hood, Paul Bunyan, King Arthur, Santa Claus. Yeah, that that King Arthur one is badass, the one that oh. we con- consistently share. Oh, and they do uh, Robin Hood. They do Morris dances around Robin Hood. Mm-hmm. And then you have King Arthur. There used to be... Um, uh, Paul Bunyan, Paul, Paul Bunyan ones all over the place. Oh, there used to be Paul Bunyan statues all over the place, and they always show the pictures of the worst ones. Always. There used to be a lot of really good ones, especially up north, like you mm-hmm. pointed out to me where uh, one of them got removed. Yeah. But they used to be all you over the place. You can find some of the black and white photos, and some of them are really, really good, but it takes some digging to get to them. Well, and there's a Paul Bunyan camp up north mm-hmm. as well, which is like a living museum. Uh, the lumberers, the lumberjacks, they venerate paul bunyan up north as well but they don't do it by oh great paul bunyan no they do it by perfecting the logging skills and and not just cutting trees down because that's what a lot of 
urban people are going to think. Well, it's just felling trees. No, 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 no. It's it's about preserving the forest so it'll be there tomorrow. Yes. Well, Paul Bunyan is a forest god. Yes. He's a woodcutting forest god. But and that's he, he did clear of. parts of it, but that's it. Parts. Well, and of some it. of them are just like tongue in cheek. Like he's the one reason the Dakotas don't really have trees. The Dakotas always didn't really have trees. Right. They're giant plains. It's like saying the savanna was cut because of the cheetah god. And that might be a thing. I don't know. I don't know uh, enough African myth. Or who was who it that made the Grand Canyon? Yeah. Oh, Paul Bunyan or Pecos Bill, depending uh, on who you um, ask. Let me see. And then you got the Thousand Lakes in Minnesota. Oh, yeah. That's another one. A lot of these are tongue in cheek. Like most people don't actually think like uh, Paul Bunyan's uh, booze wagon pulled by Brimstone Bill got a leak. And that's where the Mississippi River came from. But it's a fun story. And that's part of why um, why I'm using these examples is because, especially in America, everyone's aware of those four figures. Two of them are British, but King Arthur and Robin Hood are really popular mm-hmm. over here, too. Um, most people, if you tr- even though these are deliberately pagan figures, most people, if you tried to do what a lot of people are trying to do with pagan gods and venerate them that way, people would just stare at you weird. Yeah. It, well, and like people... People's asked me, well, altars, we need altars. What should I do for my altar? Okay, this is what you do. Pick a, pick a table, a mantle, a shelf. Doesn't matter what the piano. Mm-hmm. Yep, doesn't matter what the thing is. And then you take pictures of your family from current to as far back as you can, preferably like back to black and whites. And if you have paintings that because it was before photographs, put those on your altar and it's your altar to your family. That is the most important altar that you will ever have. And the only one that you will ever need. That's it. That's all that you need to do. Remember your family. Remember where you came from. Grandma's mantle, the, the picture wall the that grandma has all, or mom or whoever has all the family pictures on. That is an altar. It is an altar. And that's that's really all that you need. And try and learn everybody's names. Try and learn all the stories that you can. And if you don't have them, that's fine. Try not to lose any more. Try to pass on the stories that you can to the next generation. This is probably the single most important altar that you could have in your life. And my mom actually used to do that because she would put family photos on the Mm -hmm. mantle. She also used to hang them on the stairwell as well. That's another one. During the holidays, though, she would actually end up altering it slightly. Pun not intended. She'd have the pictures, but then she'd also put, like, Easter Bunny. Uh, On uh, Halloween, she'd put, like, little jack-o'-lantern statues and stuff. But is that required? No. No, But you can. Yeah, it's... It's your altar. And honestly, no, I wouldn't think of it as an altar because it's it's one of those things where is the word correct? Yes. Well, most people don't think of it as an altar. And then they try doing doing a replica uh, replica of the altar that is in the churches where it's this altar. And then they got the little statue of oily Josh and the cross and the little dab of oil thing. And they have the wine on there and the three candles to represent the father, son, and Holy ghost and a dove feather. No, we don't do that. Well, and actually, um, there's nothing historically to show that we ever did that. No. And here's the thing is like, 
there's actually scenes in movies with ancestral altars that are pretty famous. I, I can't name any movies, but everyone's seen this, I think. Painting of a great ancestor. Maybe it was your brother. Maybe it was your father. Maybe it was your great-grandfather, whatever. Talking to the painting as if it's a person. Yes. We Or going to the grave of your ancestors mm-hmm. and talking to them. It we, was something that we did right up until recently, and in some places you get fined for it and or put in jail for it. But we would go to the grave to the to the grave site, not just talk to the grave, stand there quietly beside and talk to the, to the grave. But no, we used to actually go and take a damn nap on grandma. Oh, some people would sleep, especially on yeah, Halloween. Yeah, so I said take a, take a nap and take lunch out there and have dinner with them or lunch or whatever and talk to them, take a nap and... One of the folk beliefs was is while you're sleeping on the grave, they can talk to you. Well, and that's another thing is um, just to get into. I'll say it. I've said it once. I'll say it again. We cannot bring temples back right now. And really, we should not ready for it because we'll just treat them like churches. We'll treat them like churches. And really, the goal would be to go back to sacred groves. Mm -hmm. Temples were a compromise. That's why a lot of them were basically walled in gardens. Mm -hmm. Uh, is they were trying to protect the grove from city expansion. Yes. It's like uh, Central Park. Mm-hmm. Is That's not a sacred grove, but it was, okay, we need a forest. Well, it was no intended actually to be that way. Yeah. Uh, from the, the person that pitched it, pitched it is it was supposed to be a sacred, uh, it was supposed to be a sacred grove for the city, but then it became Central Park. And it, it has to be protected. It, it is protected by law. And, but... I always bring this up because it's important. If you say started a quote unquote temple to Asclepius, god of medicine, we still have temples to Asclepius today. They're called hospitals, hospitals, clinics. I would argue that they're horribly misrepresented, but technically courthouses are. um, Well, hospitals, I wouldn't say are to Asclepius anymore. No, that's my point is they actually they've been corrupted. It's like uh, courthouses should be. Uh, temples to Lady Justice. She's mm-hmm. in front of a lot of them, yes. but there's no justice in there. Yeah, there is no justice there. There is only law. And then with the hospitals, it's uh, Hermes. Hermes and his kind of said, and I would actually argue the same thing. Hermes, Which, a god of merchants. Yes, and I don't want to badmouth Hermes, but he is possibly one of the most prevalent gods in the modern day mm-hmm. because everything is trended towards mercantilism, which mm-hmm. is his domain, and. Whether that's justice, whether that's medicine, a lot of it has trended towards Hermes. Well, justice has been straight thrust to the side and it's turned into law. Law and uh, law can be purchased, mm-hmm. which is actually the domain of Forsetti, not Tyr, as many people try to think Correct. of that. These temples were actually, they, they f- did the work of the god. The reason that the priests of Christianity are uh, doing what they're doing is they are doing the work of their God on earth. It's mm-hmm. just their God just wants more sheep. Whereas Asclepius, doctors, healers, or at least that's the intention. Venus might be a brothel. I know people don't like to hear that, but it's true. Yeah, if for veneration, which once you heal a bit, say uh, a choice comes up. You can go along or you can do the scary thing and stand your ground. You might be, when you stand your ground and face that fear, you might be doing, you might be actively venerating tear at that moment versus just going along. 
Um, it, it doesn't matter what the thing is. There Usually there's some deity that's associated with it, except for just going along to the best of my knowledge. Well, yeah, because going along is not an action. It's yeah. being carried along. And, and none of our gods are not... There's no god of doing nothing. The closest you'll get, and this is a complete joke. Don't take this as a serious god. Nowhere man from right. frickin' Beatles, and that's just a frickin' terrible song. It's catchy, but and man, I get really, <gasps> I hold my breath whenever we tell a joke like that <laughs> because some people take it seriously, yeah, and all real. of a sudden there's gonna be like an idol of the nowhere man for the doing nothing, and yeah, oh. it, it's well, at least we're not doing it on text. People can't. There's no there's no way to tell a joke on text. No properly but um another example of active veneration and they're not even doing it on purpose is the santa claus impersonators mm -hmm. the people that embody the god physically and this seems like a fairly simple job but people have taken it to the extreme uh there are santa claus people that have been arrested because they when they asked what a kid wanted for christmas the kid was like i'd like so and so to stop hurting me you know telling santa claus because the kids are like santa claus can help right the Santa Claus got out of his chair and started completely beating up the person. Uh, yeah, know, everybody likes to talk about the guys, but sometimes it's the mom. Oh, yeah. The, it, the, the people take it very seriously. And then that's a more aggressive stance. There's also instances like there are Santa Clauses that visit hospitals. They've had child, children die in their arms. Yes. It's, there's responsibility to, there. To, to go to another, uh, another place, gods of hospitality. Um Anybody really that's worked at a restaurant can understand this. You try to make the people feel welcome. When somebody comes to your home and you offer them a drink, you offer them food, maybe you've cooked for them, the God of hospitality. And every tribe has has one. We uh, For a while, we was like, well, we're not so sure about Scandinavian, but I believe that I figured out which one it was. Uh, uh, I don't know if you want I think it's ba you think it's Bela. I think you're probably right. I think Othan may have been not the god of hospitality in the sense of giving it, but the god of testing it because mm, of yeah. his whole going around testing whether people are actually virtuous Genuine or not. Because as much as we point out that Othan is a fairly dangerous, dark god, that is like his one soft spot, and it's not even a soft spot. It's are you a freaking liar? Are you a liar like him? Because yeah. he will lie. He will lie. Oh, Othan's a very talented liar. That's why he's able to spot them out so easily. Right. He has no illusions. And it's not that he doesn't like liars. Oh, no. He, he likes talented liars. Oh, like he, he likes hustlers. Like, yes. I have, I've actually written this as a statement before for Othan is everybody steals a cookie from the cookie jar. Just some people are smart enough to cultivate talent. And I wrote right. that as a, a line and, that Othan And the ones that cultivate talent are the ones that Othan likes. But, yeah, there's there's all kinds of deities that you might end up venerating without even realizing it, um, whether you're putting things together, building something like manufacturing or, or carpentry or, um, I don't know, you, you might flip hamburgers. Do it to the best of your ability. There is some god that is associated with it. The, there is a heroic act that can be performed with it i know i know how silly that sounds but it is true well i mean and there's there's gods that people don't even realize they still venerate it's very passive muses for instance mm -hmm. muses are not a class of spirit they're a class of goddess 
um, people venerate the gods of medicine whenever they take the Hippocratic Oath. I mean, they then become hypocritical in their Hippocratic Oath. Right. But that's besides the point. And they've actually changed it so much that it's basically meaningless now. But it's all this passive veneration. And then active veneration is done with genuineness. Yeah. Like someone who goes and does Santa Claus and not gets to get really a reward, into it. Not to say how, how good I am. Look at how nice I am. Look at how... Uh, n- n- yeah, it, you're not doing it for that reason. It's it's innocent, I guess. I, I have no better descriptor of the word. Well, people... Or of the action. The reason I always go to Santa Claus, and it's not the only example, because like there's people Santa that... Santa Claus is the right. easiest, biggest target. There's people that uh, play uh, Robin Hood and tell his stories. There's people that play Johnny Appleseed and tell mm-hmm. his stories. And you can go on and on and on. And it's done because of actual... They like doing it. It's not done to... And you can actually talk to people who do these sorts of things, like people that go and do the Krampus runs. They can actually... They Some of them will actually admit they can feel, like, the energy right, of some being. the Krampus being. or the purchaser runs, yeah. Yeah. They can actually feel something there with them while they're wearing the costume and doing the run. Same with a lot of different wilderness Or when customs. they're carving the masks, because I've watched a few interviews with people that still carve the masks um, traditionally. They're like, I don't actually carve the mask. I start, I start to carve it, but then it just kind of happens, and I just follow along. Well, and It's revealed to me, and I don't actually make any active decisions on it. Well, it's like we brought up in the Magic podcast. This happens because you let it flow. Not because you can direct the flow to an extent, but if you try to force it, all you do is dam it up. Mm-hmm. When you have situations like that, you can create beautiful, magical things and actually make the world a more magical, more, I don't want to say better because that's so conjectural. In general, when it comes to uh, veneration, most people are trying too hard. Oh, yeah, it, it comes down to that. Because, like, for instance, um, there's a god that a lot of people have venerated if they've ever worked in the theater. Mm-hmm. And that would be um, Harlequin. Mm-hmm. Because for better or worse. Or, or Puck is another one. Puck is another one. Both of these have elements of the theater. And then you can actually see this in some cases with actors especially. They will, even if unintentionally, embody a god. Like uh, Catherine Hunter, I think is her name, when she played the Weird Sisters. Mm-hmm. Man, yeah, I think that's her name. Man, she was channeling something there. Yeah. Uh, similar to, uh, she also did Puck fairly well, I think, yeah. in the bits I I'm saw. I'm not mad at her for what she did with Puck or or with the uh, the Weird Sisters. I am not mad at the movie. Because they cast Denzel Washington as Macbeth, you yes. know, in the Scottish play. Yes. You know, knock on wood, because it's a supposedly an unlucky uh, title. But then you have figures that aren't necessarily gods but they're clearly channeling something older like mm-hmm. doctor who or the joker yeah and by the way oberon is not king of the fairies that, oh that you can blame shakespeare for that yeah and and here's the thing is like othan we bring up othan a lot he'd be doing othan things same with thor same with puck puck would go out and do puck things he might make friends with the neighborhood kid and play with cats it's it's not just angels singing harps on a cloud is what I was trying to get at. That's the thing about veneration, though, is innocence, intent, purpose. There's a lot of different ways you can venerate. There's a lot of ways that people are trying way too hard. And in the end, 
being genuine and just leading a noble life is the and being the best you can for yourself and your people is the best way to venerate i would argue and it will be a long time before i think our people are ready to actively venerate again well really we just aren't ready yet no we aren't we're as a people some individuals might be if if you're that individual congratulations you win but most of us aren't ready yet it comes to temples we aren't ready yet it comes to even groves we aren't ready yet this doesn't mean that we don't plant the grove now but we aren't planting the grove for us we're planting the grove for our grandchildren and well, our grandchildren our grandchildren's grandchildren because they will be ready for such things we probably never will be well and i think that's paganism and veneration and ethnic faith and all these things a lot of it at least for our generation can be summed up with the idea uh civilization goes great when uh old men plant trees under which shade they would never sit i butchered that quote but yes but, but the, uh, the sentiment remains they know that they know that they'll never sit sit under yes and that's that's what it is that we're doing too many people are after the immediate reward it's a symptom of the current society which is sick well is, it, i am going to do this thing so that i can get the reward so i can get it now it's taking too long fuck it i quit tldr all this other bullshit that's not what it is that if we gonna heal our people it's going to take time it's going to take generations honestly i mean we as individuals can heal along the way yes but as we heal that is a scar that the next generation doesn't have to bear well and that's the thing is we can heal the scars but it'll take a while and the thing is scars are scars they mm -hmm. stay for a while it's why i say things like the gods were not doing nothing. They weren't sleeping, waiting for us to wake them up. There are scars because stuff has happened. There are, have been casualties. There have been costs. There have been pain. There have been suffering. History happened. 2,000 years of dealing with this mm -hmm. religion did not not happen. And we are going to be healing from it for a long time. And simply put, people that are trying to rebuild 100% will end up collapsing because they will just build what they know which is the the, the poison mm -hmm. we have to be willing to be like okay we can't have what we wish we have right now let it go let it go let it go yes unlike the or movie however that character song yes uh but it's it's what we have to do we have to acknowledge that we have to take the first step so that by two, three, four generations down the road, people can get back to normal. Right. It's and we, not we us. set it up now. Well, yeah, that's the thing is like when people were setting up towns in America, they weren't thinking, oh, we'll have a bustling empire by the time I'm 47. Right. No, that, that wasn't. I mean, they didn't not try to do that, but that wasn't their ultimate goal. No, they set it up for their children and their grandchildren and their grandchildren's grandchildren. Right. And it's part of the mentality of the modern day because we've had people tell us they don't care what happens to their grandchildren. And it's like that is one of the most unpagan things I've ever heard. Mm -hmm. I am so disappointed in that individual for so many reasons on so many levels. But yeah, it, it's there's individual steps that's got to be made. Don't worry about active veneration. 
Instead, focus on being noble, being brave, being cunning. Be cunning. Be smart. Embody strength, courage, and wisdom, and show people what real pagans and real practitioners of ethnic faith are like because a lot of these active Make them want to be like you. Yes, because a lot of these people that have been actively venerating, you know, way off the mark, have made a lot of people be like, oh, I don't want to do that. Yeah. This is partly why when we introduce ourselves as pagans, we usually either have to start with ethnic faith, which usually gets quizzical looks. And if you do Uh it right, you can try to start a conversation on that. Or you can just say skull crushing pagans and skip straight to the finish line. Right. But you have to actually embody a skull crushing pagan. Then they're like, oh, okay, yeah, I get it now. Yes, because if you speak like this and you have like a two inch <laughs> neck that barely covers your spine and your and big just, long fingernails, unless you're a girl, and even then, don't girls, ladies, just purple fingernails and yeah. apple bottom jeans. But if you embody that skull crushing pagan, they know what you mean, and not talking about the Viking pagan because that is its own classification, and that's not my name for it. That that's actually what. Everyone calls it. Yeah, that that's what non non pagans, non ethnic faith followers, and and they're not Christians either. Have called it is the Viking pagan, and they're like, no, I don't really have any interest in that. I like Vikings, but I don't want to be a Viking pagan. I also don't want to be Wiccan, is what most of these people say. And after talking to me for a while, they're like, ah, skull crushing pagan. Yes, yes, that's solid. I get it. And if more people was like you. I would do it. Well, and we brought it up before. If everyone that told you that did that, you'd have like 300 people. Yes, because you've seen myself. I am I am shy, but it doesn't stop me from going forward and talking to people. Oh, especially if someone has disfigurement. Oh, dude, yes. Then, then you're all sorts of bubbly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I get, I literally, I, I do. I, I get all. Oh, man, that person's horrifically burned. I got to talk to them. <laughs> I do. I don't know. It's scars are awesome. Yes. Well, I mean, you, I actually remember when uh, we brought this kid up before Bridger, the, the mm-hmm. kid that defended his baby sister from uh, oh, the dog attack. Yeah. You were so unhappy when they completely healed most of his scars. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you didn't necessarily want him disfigured, but keep stop, the scars. Stop just short of disfigurement, but leave the scars to show the battle. And then they got rid of the scars. Chicks dig scars. Yes. If nothing else, it, it's a conversation starter. And if you're brought up not feeling sorry for yourself, it is it is a wonderful thing when somebody comes up and like, oh, it looks like you had half your face ripped off. Why I did listen to this story. It's awesome. It tells you just how strong and brave I am. Oh, you have actually had half your face. Uh, you had uh, half your arm torn off. Um, my arm was is it, ah internal amputation. That's what it was called. What was holding it on was the skin and a fragment of bone. Everything else was... Yeah, was you cut. have a pretty gnarly scar on your arm as a result. Uh, I don't think it's big enough. Well... I mean, uh, it's got it's got a nifty little divot to it. Oh, yeah, your muscles grew back weird. Yes, it's because when the guy was sewing it back together, he got tired, so he just sewed what he could... <laughs> he just started sewing shit together. He's like, your brain will figure it out. He's like, uh, if nothing else, it'll be a Frankenstein. Yeah, but... Yeah, it's, scars aren't aren't something to be embarrassed of. As a matter of fact, if if you had the scars, if you have one leg, one one arm, whatever, be proud of it, man, or woman. Well, we have gods with one 
one arm. We have mm-hmm. gods with blindness. We have gods with one eye. We have gods missing an ear. We have gods that are walk with a limp like Hephaestus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. No excuses. No excuses, damn it. And don't be embarrassed and don't be shamed. Don't be shamed for having had a boo-boo. It's, yeah, just don't. Be proud. Be the hero. Well, be proud of who you are. Be proud of your heritage. Be proud. Or rather, of, be somebody that you can be proud of. Be someone. Because the, the left is this whole, be proud of who you are. No, most of these motherfuckers should not be proud of who the fuck they are. No. They should be somebody that they can be proud of, though. Be someone that your uh, kids would be proud to be, to call your, call their parent. Right. That when somebody sees you, they want to be like you. Be someone that could stand next to the gods and not just feel completely and utterly inaccurate. Right. And, and it's within all of us. We all have this capability. So many people turn the, our show off when we start talking about that. So many people stay, too. So the ones that, that stay and listen, fucking bravo. I am not kidding. You are some of the stronger people because you are willing to listen to be the best person that you can be. Most people are like, nah, and turn it off. Well, most people are plastic pagans. Yeah. We did a whole podcast on them. It's pretty much just a fashion accessory. And they might even believe in the gods, but 90% of their spirituality is, I bought the new keychain with the Vulk nut on it. And look at the feathers, feathers that I got, and so on and so forth. Look at this bear straight from a Siberian organic fur farm. Or it's faux fur, because I'm going to, trick the bear into whatever but reasons yes but for real guys past veneration i know that you've heard it several times it is true try passive veneration before active veneration you have to heal yourself first you have to get comfortable with who you are first you have to raise yourself up first so that other people can see that they can do it too give them something to aspire to be and then maybe maybe active veneration but by the time you're doing active veneration you're just it's you're not doing it on purpose you're doing it just because that's the way that it is yep and and here's the thing so it's still always passive veneration yeah yeah yes it's and to to paraphrase one of our listeners actually uh they don't know if they'll ever consider themselves what most people would call pagan, but they are enjoying their lives now that they've picked the desert sand out of it or have begun to. <laughs> right. So that's the trick. Be the best version of yourself that you can be. Live your life and pick the desert sand out. And you know what people say about sand? It's coarse, uncomfortable, and it gets everywhere. <laughs> so got to watch out for that. And with that, the lore keeper is going to say, go be great, you dirty heathens, you. All right, yeah, I'm out of here. And um, uh, would you guys mind uh, shutting the door on your way out? See you guys next week.